You're listening to the Weekly Wind Down. On part one of our Nintendo special, we take a look at the company's history from their early days manufacturing playing cards through to the release of the Nintendo 64 and Game Boy Color. Brian Over the last 40 years, the name Nintendo has become synonymous with video games. While other brands have come and gone, the company best known for its Mario franchise has stood the test of time. Welcome to the Weekly Wind Down. This is Simon, and alongside me always is Kelsey and Brent. Hey, what's up, buddy? How are you guys doing today? Well, you know, I'm uh, battling a cold. Yeah, it's the sniffles time of year, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. And I took a bunch of, pre- uh, not prescription drugs, because that would be bad. <laughs> I took a bunch of count- over-the-countertop yeah. uh, pharmaceuticals, medicine, whatever, like, stuff you go to the, uh, just the pharmacy or any yeah. Safeway or Superstore or Sobeys to get. Any pharmacy, basically. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cold, I just name them all. Cold medicine. Yeah. This episode powered by decongestants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I apologize if I sniff. Yeah. Or I just try not off. to blow my nose. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. doze off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty much just two thirds of us right now are barely alive, and yeah. Simon's gonna yeah. hold this entire I'm, show together. Yeah. I'm still still going here. So, so Nintendo. So welcome to our Nintendo special. So as any of the gamers out there will know. Tomorrow, I believe, at the end of the day, right? Midnight tomorrow. In about 30 hours, mm-hmm. at 11 p.m., a local video game store in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, can legally sell you Smash Bros. Ultimate. Which now that people are listening to this will actually have been last night. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we go. They might be playing it and listening to it. Yeah. Holy crap. It's yeah. like the DeLorean is in your backyard. <laughs> Ho- hopefully you're enjoying it. But yeah. So we're going to go back, way, way back, and give a little history on Nintendo. I don't think most people realize just how far back it goes. And I certainly didn't before we started doing a little bit of research into this. But first, we need to hop in the DeLorean, because if we're going back in time... Mm-hmm. I forget, where did the... What, do you remember the year that the DeLorean went back to? Well... Because it just hit the, the so future So it was 1985, date, it? then it was like 1955, and it was 1885, and then it was 2015. Okay, well, 1885 is kind of close. We're going back to 1889. So, back in 1889, September to be precise, in Kyoto, Japan, a man by the name of Fushijiro Yamochi, and please forgive my pronunciations throughout the rest of this episode, I'll try my best. Fushijiro Yamochi founded a company called Nintendo Kopai. And so, originally, the company he founded produced what was called Hanafuda. Again, sorry for the bad pronunciations. And so he produced Hanafuda, which is translated flower cards, and they're handcrafted cards painted on traditionally mulberry tree bark, and they were used to play a variety of games, still are, and the way they came about was um, back in Japan, back in that era, gambling was outlawed, and so traditional foreign playing cards were banned back then, and so people started manufacturing different types of cards and different varieties came and went, and they got banned as they became more popular. But for a variety of reasons, Yamochi's card stood the test of time and became really popular for gambling, but also just in general circulation. And so he found a niche becoming or niche market that became popular and managed to do fairly well with it. And he got so popular that he ended up having to hire quite a few assistants to keep up with the demand for his handcrafted cards. And so. He did this for quite a while, about 40 years before he eventually passed the company on to his son-in-law. He didn't have a son. He only had daughters, I believe. And so he passed, as his traditional traditional Japanese culture, he adopted his son-in-law, Sekiryo Yamochi, who took over the business in 1929. And so jumping ahead a couple years to 1933, he established an unlimited partnership, uh, and the company then became Yamochi Nintendo & Co., and so his son-in-law, Sekirio, created the distribution company Marafuku Co. to distribute the cards. And so this allowed them to get their cards into a wider market. He opened a couple of other stores to help distribute the cards further. And so they operated for quite a few years uh, as such. And then in 1951, that's when they became Nintendo Karadu Co., which operated as the Nintendo, Nintendo playing card company outside of Japan. And so this allowed them to mass produce cards all over the world, and they grew even further, and 
again, uh, Sekiro Yamochi only had daughters, and so when it was time for him to give up the company, he adopted his son-in-law again uh, by the name of uh, Shikanojo Yamochi. Um, but Shikanojo uh, abandoned his family and never ended up actually becoming the third president of Nintendo. And so in 1949, when, uh, when Shikirio died, Hiroshi Yamochi became the third president of Nintendo. And so a lot of people, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Hiroshi's name at all, but he's credited as, be, as being one of the most significant leaders in the history of the video game industry. He ran Nintendo all the way back from 1949 until 2002. This is Hiroshi Yamochi? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's a legend. Yeah, and he... Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. he just died yeah, in 2013, so about five years ago. And so, yeah, he was credited with being yeah, one of the innovators in a whole variety of ways. And so one of the first stories of Hiroshi was in 1953, they, they made the move of producing... They were the first company to produce playing cards on plastic. It was in 1956 that Hiroshi Yamochi... Uh, went to the U.S. to meet with what was the largest playing card company in the world at the time, the United States Playing Card Company. And he was in for a shock when he got there to realize that the largest company in the world of playing cards had an office that was tiny, and they were just situated in the small building. And that was kind of a wake-up call for him to realize that maybe this card business had a limited growth potential, and it wasn't going to be... It didn't have the opportunity to become this you know, monstrous company like he had envisioned originally. And so in 1956, Hiroshi managed to acquire the license to use Disney characters on his cards. And so that allowed him to be, as you guys are well aware, and you put Disney on anything and people will eat it up quickly. Yeah, just so a moneymaker. Exactly. Disney's monopolizing everything. And yeah. And they're canceling a bunch of shows on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. But I won't get into that this That's week. That's for another day, yeah. And so the first year of the Disney cards, they managed to sell 600,000 packs of those. So it was incredibly successful. And that also allowed them, probably most importantly, allowed them to sell western style playing cards to japanese households because they were able to prove that other games could be played with these cards they weren't just for the purpose of gambling and so that was fairly significant because it allowed them to reach a different demographic that they hadn't been able to do before and so uh, due to that success that they had with the disney cards they took that added uh, money added capital that they had gained and went public with nintendo on the osaka stock exchange second division in 1962. in 1963 he renamed Nintendo to Nintendo Co., as they are now. And this is when things started to get weird. So a lot of people don't know this. <laughs> I heard the 60s was a good time. Yeah, yeah and it was, no, time. it was no different in Japan. So in 1963, this is when Nintendo started to experiment with just all kinds of new ventures. They had this money that they had, that they had raised and, you know, through cards and decided they were going to see what else they could get into. So... The first of their failed ventures was they started a taxi company called Dea. You've probably never, never heard of it because it went, went bottom up pretty quickly. And then... Nice. Yeah, sorry, I thought you were <laughs> going to say something there. Maybe you just had to sneeze. But, I, yeah. I was holding my breath. <laughs> Fair enough. And it actually, actually the, the taxi company was fairly successful, but they ended up having to sell it, or sell it due to operating costs and unionized and issues and stuff like that. They then went into opening a love hotel chain, which is basically exactly what you think it might be. And <laughs> that was also not very successful. They also opened a TV network that ran for a little while. Interesting. Was not successful either. Mm. They tried selling, uh, they tried opening a, or starting a food company that sold instant rice. Ooh. Yeah, I kind love of rice. similar to like Ichiban style noodles, oh, but they was. Oh, man, yeah. I lived on Ichiban noodles mm -hmm. in my high school. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So good. Hot mm -hmm. some water, throw her in the microwave. Bam! Yeah. But mine's like rolling though on the TV one. Like, I just wonder, like, what if they did it now again today? If they'd have like a better following or yeah. even like just like a live Probably. stream or something? Like, yeah, it's hard to say. Should. Yeah. So the, the rice thing failed too. And so in 1964, after the Tokyo Olympics had happened, that's when playing card sales really started to drop. Um, their stock correspondingly dropped to the lowest level that it had been since they went public. And so uh, Hiroshi knew that something had to change. And so that's when they started to dabble in the toy industry. And so there was a guy by the name of Gunpei Yokoi who worked for Nintendo at the time. And he actually worked on the assembly line as a maintenance guy. And Hiroshi was walking through the factory at one point and happened to see this 
arm, it was like an extendable arm, I guess, used to pick stuff up that was sitting there. And, and uh, Yomochi had him build, he told him, go develop a toy out of this and something that we can, can sell. And it turned out to be really successful. They sold over a million of them. And it was Nintendo's first really big toy uh, that was a hit. And so uh, Yokoi ended up moving into Nintendo, Nintendo's game department at that point as a product developer and ended up becoming very successful in the company. He would later go on to design the Game Boy, the Virtual Boy, and Ooh. a lot of other very successful things within the company. That's starting to bring back some memories. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So that wasn't the only toy they developed. They also developed a couple other things. Uh, the Ultra Machine, which was like a ball-launching bat sort of battle game. I couldn't quite find... I couldn't find any like images of it working. It was kind of weird looking, but... Was this like the precursor to what baseball players used at the batting? Maybe, yeah. yeah it's kind of what I was thinking. It seemed like it was like a pitching machine, but I, I couldn't figure out if the balls were like they look like they're like ping pong ball size. So I don't really know what. Maybe they're just for ping pong tables. It could be, yeah. It was like a ping pong, like the early ping pong robots. I guess I don't nice. know. <laughs> I, I don't think it was though. But <laughs> <laughs> they also made like a, a love tester. It was like something you held onto and it would like tell you how much. Oh you yeah, loved yeah. The I always see those oh, at like most tavern and Simpsons. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was similar those to were that. Fun. Yeah, and then you guys ever do one? of those just for no just i always for, get lonely so yeah. well, apparently you have I, to, I don't need to know that so apparently you just have to wet your hands look your hands apparently like oh, yeah. is how they were it said that on the instructions i did see a picture of the box on yeah, that i see and then you don't they lick your hands after that though yeah that's yeah, right no. they went on to do a few other things they made a vacuum cleaner called uh, what was it called chiratory which apparently appears in the warioware game as a character there and then they this is when they started to get into and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation on this one too, but uh, uh, Kusenju light gun games. And so this was a precursor to the NES duck hunt gun that we oh, all know, the light oh, gun wow. from there. The, the zapper. Yeah, yeah, the zapper. Thank you. And so the way they got into this is they, in 1973, they started moving into family entertainment venues. And so they were looking at ways, a lot of it was ways to retrofit old bowling alleys that had been abandoned with, with other technology to help drive in business. And so they came up with this laser clay shooting system oh, that yeah, used this light gun technology and series of projectors and stuff to you know, do virtual clay shooting and other things like that too. That's cool. It was actually fairly popular, fairly successful, but had to get shut down at the end uh, due to high operating costs. But these previous toy uh, ventures and this clay shooting system was what led Nintendo into a market that they knew that they had some potential in. And so that's when they really started to get into this era of electronics. And so it was in the latter part of the 70s, starting around 77, where they decided they were going to try and get into the video game market. And so in 77, that's when they secured the rights to distribute the Magnavox Odyssey, which I don't know if you guys ever remember that. The name is familiar. Yeah. 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 And so that's, they started, yeah, started distributing that. And in 77, they also started producing their own hardware. And so the first real big piece of hardware that they uh, produced for home consoles was the color tv game is what it was called color tv game and so there was four different versions of the console each with a different game and variations on the game so one i think was like tennis and it had different variations of tennis you could play and it was at the time japan's highest selling first generation console they sold over three million of them and so this was good signs for nintendo moving forward and so that is the time when they hired shigeru Miyamoto. Who I think anybody that's a Nintendo (laughs) fan of any level has heard his name. Oh, baby. Yeah. So he first designed his first one of his first jobs was designing the casing for the color TV game consoles. And then, of course, he went on to create, direct and produce some of Nintendo's best well-known video games and still working for them now. And in 1979, uh, Gunpei Yokoi, who we mentioned earlier, had an idea to make a handheld video game. He was sitting on the bullet train in Japan and watching some guy just playing around with, like, remember those old LCD calculators? Yeah. Yeah, and he was just kind of fiddling with one, and he thought, well, what if we could bring video games to this application, right? And so, because that's probably a little bit more exciting than crunching numbers and spelling boobless upside down. So, Or, 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 <laughs> I don't or boob know. shoes. Boob shoes? Yes, yeah. if you had a big enough calculator. Oh, wow. uh, A buddy in my class, he could spell... <laughs> Boob shoes. You must have been the coolest kid in the class. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Kelsey still idolizes mm-hmm. him. And yeah. so in 1980, they released the Game & Watch handheld system. They produced this all the way through till 1991, and it was 
quite popular. They sold 43, what I got here? 43.4 million units of it. Wow. And so, yeah. yeah, pretty successful. And so they came with software installed. There was no cartridges back then or anything. And each of the units had a game A and a game B mode. And usually game B was just a harder version of game A or was some twist on it. There's a couple of exceptions, but they had a wide variety of different models of this. I, I can't remember what it was. It was like 10 or 15 or 20 or something like that. And they had all kinds of different games. And some of the models actually had two screens. And so jumping ahead many years here, the Game Boy Advance SP, Nintendo DS and Nintendo 3DS would later reuse this design. And so I don't think a lot of people realize that design actually was was pioneered by Nintendo back in you the You learn 80s. something new every day because <laughs> I did not know that. I also yeah. didn't know that Nintendo started out as a card business. Yeah, that's, no, that's cool. like mind-blowing to me. Pretty neat. And so 1981, that's when things really started to get going. So 1981 was the year that Donkey Kong was released and, of course, designed by Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah. yeah. And so as we all know, Donkey Kong was hugely successful and still is. And it was so successful that it was ported to other consoles like the Atari 2600, the Intellivision, the ColecoVision, which I had a Intellivision back in the day. I did too. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think it worked though because yeah. it was my mom. It was my uh, my uncle who had passed away. That I never got to meet. Yeah. But it was theirs, and we had a bunch of games, but I never got to actually. I didn't think it worked, but yeah. yeah. Do, do you do you did you ever get it? Or you didn't get it working? Or? No. Oh man, it was. So, I honestly played a bunch of that. Like it was. My, must have been my dad's or something because it was before my time. But it had like that like numpad on it on the controllers, and then like a disc, I think, right? And yeah, I just remember. I I don't know. I had like a handful of games, but the one that I played, or like there was two or three that I played the most. I can't remember all of them, but I, I had a baseball game that I remember being pretty decent, and. A B, it wasn't B fifty two B seventeen bomber, I think it's called. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. And it one. had like the best intro ever, and I, I, it was like some really southern accent, like American thing, like B seventeen bomber or something. Nice. It was the start of the game. It was just like really, really, but in like nineteen seventies or eighties, terrible like audio yeah, quality, sure. right? Yeah. But yeah, I just so that sticks in my head. Yeah. Like eight bit. Yeah, or I'm gonna what, try four and, bit back then to try and find that clip and and like we'll post that along with this episode because it that was just such a memorable game. Yes. Yeah. So that was the early '80s, and so Donkey Kong. I just want to mention Donkey Kong in the early original Donkey Kong games was mean and nasty. Mm. And like like Donkey Kong, like they changed him, obviously, right? Mm. So the original Donkey Kong was like mean, nasty, yeah, he was evil, a, he was bad. A villain. Yeah. yeah, and now he's like a lovable, huggable. Yeah, that's always like because when I, I first started off, like I always thought of him as like this good guy, and then yeah. later on, you just figured out that he started off as this bad guy, and it's like, oh, yeah, oh, like man, I saw that coming. Mm. Why were you such a dick back in the eighties? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what happened to you? And the other interesting thing about Donkey Kong was that's when we first saw Mario. It's a me. Mario. He was the guy climbing the the factory, right? And so Pop that's right. But back then he was called Jumpman. He wasn't called Mario yet. Oh uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so, where are we now? 1983. That's when Nintendo launched the family computer, better known as the Famicom in Japan. Oh, the Famicom, those mm-hmm. awkward cartridges. Yeah, and so the Famicom originally played ports of the most popular arcade games at the time, and Nintendo had released a few arcade games of their own, and it was built on an 8-bit processor, was initially quite successful, um, but then they had a lot of complaints of games that were freezing, and so this eventually led Nintendo to have to pull all of the Famicoms that were on the shelves in stores, and that cost them about half a million dollars to repair a faulty chip in those devices. Uh, it sounds like Ford right now. Ford <laughs> seems like they have a recall every week on something. <laughs> I own one, and it does seem like... Well, I've been getting less now that my card's a few years old. So 1985 was when the Famicom launched in the U.S. as the Nintendo Entertainment System, which we all know and NES. love. Yes. that... I didn't know the jingle. No, I no. just made it up. Oh, okay. But if that was a jingle... Well, you, man, you would have crushed it, though, yeah. if that's yeah. actually the jingle. That's, that's right. That. Maybe it is. Mm-hmm. Now we're just, like, throwing a bunch of shade on you. Hey, Nintendo, do you, if you like that... You know where to find me. Yeah, I think you're, unfortunately, you're about 20, 30, <laughs> yeah. well, 30 couple, hey, they're bringing them back, though. Years, yeah. like, the NES true. Classic yeah. and the Super Nintendo yeah. Classic. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Hopefully, we get to talk about that in a bit, because, like, oh, mm-hmm. like, those are awesome. <laughs> so, the NES was a cosmetically reworked version of the Famicom. They essentially had the same guts inside. And 
So many people probably haven't heard of this, but in 1983, there was a well-known video game crash. And so this was, this affected all sorts of companies like Atari. And essentially what happened was there was an influx of games flooding the market. And a lot of these games were just garbage. (laughs) And they were so bad that it ended up causing the market to crash. And so Nintendo wanted to make sure that they weren't a victim of, of similar circumstance. And so they put regulations in place to ensure that the games that were coming out for their consoles were of the highest quality. And so that's when they invented the Nintendo seal of quality which I believe is still going, I think, yeah. nowadays, right? Yeah, on all their oh, games. Oh, it also makes it, like, official, too, right? Yeah, and like, so it's got that little badge yeah. on it. You, uh, just, like, the Game Boy Advance games, like, you can tell which ones are fake and real if you look into, if you, like, t- tip it on the side and look into, like, where the pins are. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's the Nintendo logo on it. There you like, go. Like, you can see it, but you can only see it when you're looking at it level with the pins. If there's no Nintendo logo, then it's hmm. a fake. Cool. Yeah. Working in, a, working in the industry <laughs> for X amount of years, you, you come across some interesting nice. stuff. And so, yeah, they also had regulations in place. Third-party companies making games could only release five games a year. There was a couple companies that got around that by, like, spinning off divisions of their company to release other games. But essentially this, yeah, helped stop the flood of garbage games into the market, which made the, the console look bad. And so 1986, that's when they brought the NES to Europe, and 1987, the first game with a save feature, The Legend of Zelda, hit the market, which... And so that was pretty revolutionary. That was the first people that had ever been able to play a game without having to leave it on overnight and melt the house down or anything. Speaking of leaving a game on overnight and (laughs) melting the house down, (laughs) we didn't melt the house down, but uh, Final Fantasy VII, when it first came out on the PlayStation 1, there was no memory cards, so you couldn't save. And that game was four discs. And my brother and my cousin um, and me, we were at my cousin's place and we were playing it. And like we had to leave the system on all night so we didn't lose our progress. Yeah. And we got to like the third disc. And then my older cousin came downstairs and turned off the PlayStation. Oh, no. And we <laughs> lost everything. That's devastating. That reminds me of I had baseball stars well i still have baseball stars for ness which is an amazing game and me and a buddy at work used to play it at lunch hour for like years and we we'd built up like because you can have your create your own team but they're just like absolute garbage when you start off like they get tired after like two innings and <laughs> can't hit or throw or anything sounds anymore. like uh, all of us at division three <laughs> yeah, exactly and so we like worked for like years to build up really good teams and we play against each other every lunch hour and then like one day we decided to play like uh, Ninja Turtles for a couple of weeks or something and then we put baseball stars back in and the save had like erased because you know the battery or whatever gets weak in the in the cartridges yeah. after 20 some years and yep. so that was devastating oh. and so we just, we just couldn't play it anymore because it was just not the same but nope. so what made the NES so popular also was the fact that it bundled with games and successful games at that so Super Mario Bros was one of the best selling games or is still one of the best selling games of all time and it bundled with the NES for a long time and so that allowed over 40 million copies of it to be sold. little interesting fact that I discovered here today. Did you know that Peter Cullen was the original voice of Mario? I did not know yeah. that. Also voiced Optimus Prime. And did you know Eeyore? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, so <laughs> kind of a wide variety of... I mean, I could see Optimus Prime and Eeyore, but like... I didn't, yeah, that's, Mario is a bit of yeah, a Mario's departure. A bit, that's a stretch, yeah. but man, that yeah. would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. I am Mario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and somehow he went from that to, yeah, to an Italian plumber, or the other way around, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So 1988. So Gunpei Yokai, still working with Nintendo. Man, that guy's been there a long time. He was one of the, one of the big, big kahunas there. And so he worked on what was called Nintendo's R&D1 team. It was one of their uh, research and development teams. And he had this idea to merge the game and watch system's portability with the NES cartridge's interchangeability. And so out of that spawned the Game Boy. As I mentioned earlier, he was one of the leading developers or designers of the Game Boy. And so April 21st, 1989, the Game Boy was released in Japan. And this was obviously huge. It was immediately a success. It bundled 
uh, when it was released in America in July 31st of the same year, it was bundled with Tetris, which is a game people are still playing today in different iterations. Oh, yeah. No, Tetris man, it's is like the like, oldest surviving game. Like it stood the test of time. Every once in a while, I'll just go on the computer and I'll just play Tetris yeah. and just <laughs> see how many levels I can get to. Yeah. It's just oh, man. so much fun. Three? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I'll do it all the way to the max. And oh, just, nice. Yeah, man, nice. you must. You I, I get eliminated very quickly oh, once it gets to there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You should go like challenge that dude that just beat the world champion that held the record for like x amount of years mm-hmm. i read something and so the game boy was a cash cow for nintendo I and mean, they sold over 118 million units of just the game boy and game boy color combined so wow yeah that led yeah the, the game boy combined with the nes being the best-selling console of its time helped really revitalize a, a video game market that was suffering after the crash that we talked about earlier there and so that helped pull Nintendo ahead of, of, of Atari and some of the other manufacturers at the time. And I, talk, I talked about that R&D1 team there a couple minutes ago here. And that's Nintendo's actually oldest development team. And I think it was only just recently defunct when they restructured the company. But uh, that was created in the 70s during Nintendo's you know, first venture into the industry, uh, headed by, by Yokoi, like I said. And they had a lot of notable releases um, Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong, Tetris, Metroid. They had Game Boy, Super Mario Land, the Wario character himself, Doctor Mario, Duck Hunt. Oh man, the like the NES. Now that we're kind of talking about the NES, that brings back that it's kind of where Kelso jumps in, <laughs> and from the first memories. Um, did you guys ever play Batman on the NES? It was like. Like Batman, like you. Be oh, sorry. Kid. No, I didn't. No, 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 no. <laughs> give me blank stares over. Right. I, I was just thinking. I, was, I got thinking about another yeah. game that I'd played on the NES, but no, yeah. no, I haven't. Okay. I, haven't played I was just Batman. looking at Simon. He's like this, and it's yeah. like, oh man, maybe he has something here because yeah. I got nothing. Batman to me was like my first taste at like a two D side scroller, and like it was hard. Mm-hmm. But I was also like five, so like I didn't really understand much. But it was like it was hard. I remember that game, and I remember Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, and watching my brother play it in my in in my room when yeah. i was little which like, one did you have um the original one so i don't think i ever had one i had um two and three i think because i don't know how many there was there was at least three i guess but and two i think was my favorite but i don't remember why <laughs> but i do remember that it eventually broke on me and i was like devastated well two i think was the hardest one arguably right? yeah. like two teenage mutant ninja turtles two was like very hard mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I remember it was either that one or the first one. My brother could probably attest to this when he decides to listen to this. Hello, Taylor. Love you. <laughs> yes. Shout out to my brother. Yeah. Big old bro. Yeah. And I can also honestly thank my big brother for getting me into video games. Like when, you know, like when you were young and like parents, I don't know if your parents went out a lot and like left you with babysitters and stuff. But mine did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that's great. They're still happily married and they love each other, and it's awesome. <laughs> okay, I thought you were going to say they yeah. went out to get milk one time no, and never yeah. came back. No. Nope. They'd always come back. Okay. But, yeah, so my brother and I, we always spent, well, we spent a lot of time together growing up because, mm-hmm. um, like, yeah, we just did. And my brother is the reason why I love video games as much as I do. Mm -hmm. Um, And the NES is what he started getting into. And so like these memories I'm talking about are probably were him playing and me watching because a lot of it was me watching and him playing and even just going to the video store with my brother. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) uh, My dad always makes fun of my, of me for this and my brother for this about uh, how do I use my allowance money? And then my brother would trick me into renting games that he would play. Oh yeah. But then my brother would say, no, no dad, Kelsey, uh, wanted to, wanted me to play those and watch me play them. And honestly, <laughs> that's what I did. Like I loved watching my brother play video games. That's one of my most fondest memories. And one of the big reasons why nice. I'm into it now. There's just so many good the, NES games that I remember playing too. Like I didn't have a many. huge category, but, or catalog of them, but I, yeah, like I said, Baseball Star was amazing. I played a ton of Mario. I don't, I've always just loved this original Super Mario games. I played. Yeah, Mario was always. Just I didn't like, play much two, but I played a ton of one. I beat. Well, actually, you know what? I've only. I think I've only beat that game once. And I've made it to the last uh, Bowser so many times, 
and just failed to jump over him. I don't know why it's so <laughs> did, difficult. Did you, always, but, did you get the warp zone? Did, could you do that warp zone trick? Yeah, I, I, I knew where all the warp zones were. Yeah. I didn't always do them. Because the thing is, if you don't do them, and if, assuming you don't die, you can rack up a ton more free lives. Yeah. And I needed that, because I struggled with the last Bowser for some reason. I'm going to have to pull that game out again and try but I probably just don't have the like reaction time to do it anymore. But it was so good. And then I played a ton of 3, because 3 was just... Three was awesome. Classic. And that was, I think that was actually the last game that came out for the original NES, or at really? least one of the last games. Oh, there's yeah. so many good ones. Mm-hmm. Like, even like Final Fantasy. Yeah. Now they're on Had like that. 108. <laughs> or at least yeah. so many. Yeah. But like the original Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. that game was awesome. And fun fact the NES Classic, that is one of the games that's on there. Did you know that? Yeah, Exciting. I didn't know that. Or well, you probably did because you did a bunch of yeah. research. Yeah. Uh, but I remember there was another one I had. It was a Capcom game. It was like a Western, I think it was a Capcom game. It was a Western shooter, like a top, like, I don't know what you call it. Not a side scroller, but like a top down walk through it. Uh, the, the down scroller, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those. But it, what was it called? I'm going to have to dig it up. But it was such a good game. I also had Jackal, if you ever remember that one. But, and the name's it, familiar. That, and I probably yeah. wouldn't unrecognize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of like weird games that we all played, did you guys ever play the McDonald's game, the McKids? It was like a side no, uh, no, no. It was like a side like scroller on game. NES? Yeah, on NES. So like McDonald's released a video no, game. No. And it was called McKids and it was a side scroller game. And it was like uh Angry Video Game Nerd, if you ever watch those. Uh he's hilarious and he reviews yeah. really bad games. Yeah, he's great. Um and yeah. so <laughs> that game was just really, really bad because you couldn't beat it. Mm-hmm. There was a the final level I keep I remember there was this platform that they didn't build in the game that you needed to get to mm-hmm. To get to this other platform, but mm-hmm. they you you couldn't get there. You, mm-hmm. it, so it was incomplete. So you could not beat the game. Mm-hmm. And like I just, maybe this is what we're gonna have to do on our on our weekly wind down edition of the charity live stream. Is just like play some NES classics. Well, or I have the I Super Nintendo like Classic. Yeah. As long as somebody picks up the NES Classic, well, I've I've got the NES, like the vintage yeah. style. Oh, we'll break it out and yeah. beat it into submission. But well, hey, but yeah. the NES Classic would have a bunch of the cla- like the good games too if you don't have yeah. some of them, right? Yeah, that's like sure. what I'm waiting for is that Super Nintendo because like, man, I just remember... It's out. You can buy the Super Nintendo Yeah, Classic. no, but I was just wondering like I just always remember being the goalie and be able to shoot down the ice and you would be able to score on the other goalie because he would always do the splits and he would just always miss the puck. And I was like, oh man. Yeah, that's awesome. That's like my <laughs> favorite one. All right, well, we could probably ramble about NES forever, but we better move along here. We got a ways to go yet. So, the Super NES. So, 1989, Nintendo announced the Super Famicom, which was the successor to the Famicom, obviously. And so, it featured a 16-bit processor, double the bits. And so, in 1990, it was released in Japan, and the Super Nintendo was then released in August in uh, the U.S. and Europe in 1992. So the Super NES competed with the 16-bit Sega Genesis, which was known as the Mega Drive outside of North America. I didn't know that. And it Me outsold... Either. Yeah, yeah. Even though it was actually... Later, Megatron was related to Mega Drive. Yeah, maybe. And though, even though the Super NES was later to market than the, than the Mega Drive or the Genesis, it actually outsold it by the end, selling uh, over 49 million units. Well, the Genesis, like, to be honest... Like it was great. Like Sonic was awesome, yeah. mm-hmm. but like yeah. that was all it had. I think, in my opinion, because yeah. like, I also remember there was like the one Christmas at my grandparents, and my cousin got Sega Genesis, and I was like, "Oh man, this looks amazing!" Because of course he had like Sonic and everything. It to go did with look it. good, yeah. And I mean, but like NBA Jam was fun too. If you ever played that on Genesis, that was fun. And then Toe Jam and Earl, that was also another. I don't know great. that one. It was just like a weird, like top down, like mm-hmm. you said, top down platformer, mm-hmm. and. It was, it was fun. You guys should look it up later. Hmm. Yeah, I, honestly, I'm pretty sure the only games I've ever played on the Genesis were Sega, or, or I mean, uh, Sega, uh, Sonic, and uh, um, NBA Jam. Do you was, ever play Sonic Spinball? No, that was the pin. But it was. Spinball. Oh wait, wait, wait! Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I totally did. I that totally was. Did. I mean, uh, that was my favorite game on the Genesis. Like, forget Sonic. When you're when you can play pinball and do that. Like, that's awesome. I've, yeah, I really did not play much. My cousin in another city was the only person I knew that owned a Genesis, I'm pretty sure. It was hard, though. Oh, man, was it hard. Mm-hmm. There was, was a lot of games back then that were like, like going back to Game Boy talk, 
I had Mega Man for Game Boy, the original yeah. one. That's like probably the hardest game I've ever played. I've never beat that game. <laughs> so maybe old, I'm just really bad. The old Mega Mans were hard. It was though. so difficult because there was like you could play as four different dudes, right? Or you or it was no, it was Mega Man every time but you played against four different bosses. I think, right? Yeah, they started like they started I, off I mean, like I might everything have, was like blank then man blank then man or maybe that was it yeah i don't know of the four options that you had to play at least i think i beat one of them and it was just that was such a difficult game i think it was because you the save points if there was any were like super far apart too or something like that so yeah that was challenging so 1990 1992 that span that's when nintendo opened their world and nintendo shops in the u.s and to help further boost their their market share and their their fight against the genesis and so 1993 was when Nintendo announced the successor to the Super NES, and it was codenamed Project Reality. And rumors had it that it was going to feature 64-bit graphics. And they had signed a joint venture with Silicon Graphics, which is a company in America, who I believe we may have mentioned on a previous episode. Silicon Graphics, I believe, was the company involved with the creation of the hardware for the first downline in football. So, And I'm just going to... You guys you guys might yell at me for it's this, like a but... It's throwback, yeah. buddy. Um, I, I want to dedicate a future episode to the Super Nintendo only because I feel like we can talk <laughs> yeah, about that. I feel for like that one is like several hours. Yeah, really it's one. funny because you know it, that was one of the consoles I didn't play a ton growing up. I, well, like I never you owned pleb. one. Pleb. I know. Yeah. My, like a couple of my friends had one, but I think it's because they, they also had a PlayStation One. I think we ended up yeah. just playing that more, and it wasn't. Oh, you were yeah. a Sony. That, that's like my ultimate like. But it wasn't my choice. Yeah. Letting that go. Yeah. yeah, I always remember like we let it go in like a garage sale. And, uh. I, I just, uh, you and Kelsey it's, it's both getting rid of your good well, consoles. Well, I had to. Why, I mean, like, I got like four mortgage payments out of my <laughs> video game collection, which says a lot. Yeah, which says that I collected some pretty good stuff. Yeah. Um, but there's just so many good ones. Like I just remember like Mario, like like the good version of Donkey Kong, and mm-hmm. just uh, NHL. Oh, like, Mario Kart so for yeah. 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 yeah, going out yeah. and renting. But games. let's uh, let's let's go into detail with that in a later episode. Yeah, and so this. Project Reality that was supposed to come out in 1995, but was delayed a few years. And in 1995, Nintendo actually announced that they had sold a billion cartridges just of all their consoles combined. And so they announced 1994 was the year of the cartridge. And of those cartridges, actually 10% were of the Mario franchise too, which just shows how substantial. That's crazy. Yeah, 100 million Mario cartridges. Well, man, like how many times did Super Mario World get made, right? Yeah. Like Super Mario World was... Oh, okay. Like, Which version are you singing here? Yeah. Like, honestly, the, that music, when that music comes up in that first world, like... That's out of the SNES one, right? Yeah, yeah. Super Mario World. Yeah. Like, the first really cool 3D... Like, not 3D. Well, for back then, it was like, whoa, that's cool. Well, so Mario Kart on the Super NES was one of the first games that really had an advanced kind of faux yeah. 3D to it, if you remember, right? It, yes. wasn't, it wasn't true 3D, but it was kind of like a faux oh. 3D. It was quite effective, actually. I miss those flat courses <laughs> with those blocks that would just like block you. Yeah. I mean, that's what blocks do, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. Oh. And so around that time, NES, or Nintendo bought a significant share in Rare, a game company. And oh, the first, first collab game they did was Donkey Kong Country, which is the second most successful NES game, a Super NES game of all time. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with that 100% because that game, Donkey Kong Country, is just... And I could spend an entire episode talking about Donkey Kong yeah. Country, and I might. So <laughs> tune in in a future episode there, you uh, valued listeners, if you want to nerd out with some Donkey Kong Country. <laughs> and so also released in 1995 was The Virtual Boy. You are you. You had one, Brent. I had one. I can't believe you got oh, rid of it. I am jealous. I get to shut Kelsey up for five minutes now. <laughs> talk. So unfortunately, the Virtual Boy was a complete disaster. It had generally poor sales. People complained about getting headaches from it, and so it was. It, I guess for those that aren't familiar with the Virtual Boy, it was this table standing red virtual reality screen goggle type thing that you would stare into, and yeah, people complained about getting headaches from it. The games were generally of not the greatest quality, and it had this all red display, which wasn't the most I just pleasing remember, to look like, at. I was like the first time like my parents ever brought it home. I was playing it, and I was playing tennis. My parents were like, "You can only play ten minutes at a time, or else like <laughs> you'll get a massive headache." So I was like, "All right," and then I would play my ten minutes. 
Then that would be like all I could play for the entire <laughs> well, night. Oh, you poor child. Except that they probably had a point then. I'm yeah. like, you know, years yeah. later when your parents like, oh, your brain's going to rot. But that out. honestly yeah. explains like, a lot now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why were all of us are blind? Actually, my yeah. eyes are pretty good. So yeah. Yeah. mine are the I never had a virtual boy. I guess that's why. <laughs> yeah. I've had glasses since I was in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. So, and I was always like, well, my eyes are going to get better someday. No, nope. mm-hmm. it's just only going downhill from there. Yeah. So the virtual boy was not a success. So Nintendo kind of softly discontinued it and... That was the end of that. But around the same time, the Project Reality that was... Um, Project Man, Reality. now I just want to know how much it's worth now and just like... I, I, look, that in my... I look, they're only worth like 150 or 200 bucks because right, yeah. they're so bad. <laughs> We're going to tell my parents that it was 400. Did it, was yeah. it in the box? Like in good condition? Did you have it in I'm the sure. box? Well, I didn't like play it that much because mm-hmm. like... Like because you keep good care of your games. Like you come in and you traded in some stuff to yeah. me. And like it's in good quality. So yeah. I would imagine you kept really good Most care stuff of is always... So you could you probably could have got like 300 or 350 yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll so tell my parents it's worth a million dollars. Yeah. You should. So around this time, that's when Project Reality was renamed to the Ultra 64. And it was rumored that it would use cartridges, not CDs that they had originally planned. And so there was... We won't get into this, but Nintendo and Sony, as you may know, actually collabed for a little while, and that broke down, and they went their separate ways, and out of that came the the PlayStation. Maybe we'll talk about that on a later episode. Mm -hmm. And so, in 1996, that's when Nintendo released the Ultra 64 as the Nintendo 64 in Japan and North America. The N64. The N64. Oh, and and again, I could talk about that for like two hours. And so that Yeah. yeah, that's a big part of our. I guess would have been our like er, well yeah childhood years I guess we're not uh, that me, we're barely, yeah, be a, like elementary school yeah, yeah not yeah, quite yeah. ten years old nineteen ninety five ninety six like to me that was the best system of all time a lot of people yeah. would fight me a lot of people that, no a lot of people claim that yeah that was like how can you not have fun like playing like Goldeneye yeah. or oh my gosh Zelda that was the greatest shooter ever like it, it revolutionized. Is, like, yeah. The shooters, and then they were remade that crap in on the Wii because Rare is being stupid, <laughs> and the, the reason why it sucked is because Rare was like, "No, we don't want to give you the rights so you can remake it and make it good." Right. Seriously, and so then it sucked. Like Goldeneye Reloaded was garbage. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. terrible. And so the N sixty four was high, yeah highly anticipated. So there was people standing in line for it on launch day. They sold half a million units on the on the very first day. And it when it launched in Europe and Australia the next year, it was just as popular. So a couple of things that made the N64 stand out and, and do so well was it was the first true four-player console. Up until this point, you know, consoles had been one or two players, right? And so this was the first console that could really handle, had the hardware to be able to handle what it took to render four different screens at the same time. They also, or it was also the first console to feature an analog stick. At this point, we had only the D-pad, which was something that um, I've forgotten his name now. Yokoi, I believe, um, was one of his innovations was the D-pad, which is now something you see on pretty much every controller everywhere. Now, just answer this one question. Did you guys always come home with mega welts in the palm well if you were playing like for mario, party? mario party yeah, yeah. exactly then like, you were doing it right yeah <laughs> that's the only way to play drills a hole in your injure your hand <laughs> yeah get stig uh stigma or stigmata is what it's called basically <laughs> yeah. come mm-hmm. home oh man that's a legendary so other <laughs> innovations they had Later on, as an add-on, they had the Rumble Pack you could put in your controllers. Oh yeah, yeah. That's something you see in every other console that controller now. That was so too. cool when that first came out. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Like, I just remember going to like going out to just to rent one, and then you had to put yeah. like a yeah. bunch of batteries. You had in to it, spend too, a bunch of money too. Like it oh, was yeah. like legit. Like man, it made a it racket. Like a it was big the, box. The, the controller weighed like a ton after <laughs> yeah. you put all that yeah. in there too. <laughs> oh man, like I'm lifting weights. Yeah, yeah. but it, yeah, it was cool though. Oh, it was so cool. Mm-hmm. And so the interesting thing with the 64, while it had more cutting edge hardware and, 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 you know, new graphics for the time. It was actually less a focus on, you know, top of the line hardware and more about providing an innovative gaming experience that helped encourage game development for developers. That was one thing that, oh, I've forgotten his name. Uh, Hiroshi preached so much about. So awesome. (laughs) He preached so much about was, we don't, we're not going to fight this battle about having the top of the line hardware. And you've seen this, you know, through the Wii and the Wii U and stuff like that. You know, they're not the same level of hardware as, as Microsoft and Sony's consoles, but they're focusing more on, on gameplay. And, and he also went, I believe, and said, 
it we don't need to have these real long deep storylines and fantastic scores and everything to make a good game it can be something simple as you know these little wii games that you see and, and, and 300 games in one exactly yeah, yeah which you know for for some of us potentially more serious gamers that's maybe not our go-to but it helped get a lot of people into the market which we'll talk about when we get to the wii in the next segment but that yeah that was the kind of a turning point for the 64 was was a more this strong focus on 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 game gameplay and so at the time though competition was still pretty strict they had the sega saturn and the sony playstation were right alongside them and and, and battling for their share of the market PlayStation. And so when Nintendo started to slip a little bit in the market share, that's when they ran their Play It Loud campaign, which we were maybe a little too young to remember that, but you probably would recognize pictures of it if you saw it. And they spent $185 million on this, I guess, to help boost their brand. And so there's posters and commercials and all that sort of stuff going on. The same year, in 96, they released the Game Boy Pocket, which I owned. That was the, the first Game Boy that I had was the Game Boy Pocket, which essentially was just a smaller version of the original Game Boy, not, not a color version. You didn't own the Big Fatty? No, never oh, had the big I fatty. Did. Yeah, the big had, fatty. You never yeah. had the big fatty. Well, I never had like any till color. So, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, man, you poor soul. I never had a color, yeah, but you did have a virtual boy though. So I I'm went outside, jealous. Kelsey. So. <laughs> hey, you know what? I went outside too. Yeah, yeah. with your Game Boy. Just pick yeah. up, stand in line for his <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like with the link yeah. cable, like the trade every Pokemon? time your parents said, "Hey, Kelsey, you got to go get fresh air." You just went to the video <laughs> well, game store hey, and picked up video I went outside. I went for a walk. Yeah, went over to my buddy's house. We traded Pokemon. So perhaps one of the other largest things that happened in 96 for Nintendo was the release of the very first Pokemon game. And I know you're a big Pokemon fan, Brent. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> and so that, yeah, it was the first first release in the series and it was re- uh, released on Game Boy. And Pokemon, for <laughs> in case you've been living under a rock, is massive and, and still is massive. And since then, they've sold over 277 million Pokemon games and almost 22 billion trading cards. They've also had 17 feature films, which I didn't realize because I guess probably not. Maybe I, not a I, lot. Like, of I only remember like the very first one, like when Pokemon cards were like immensely popular. Movie then, or, or game? Yeah, movie. Oh, yeah. And then like Mewtwo was the villain. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the only. I'm guessing probably I didn't look this but up. Then, on... Like I remember going to theater. To oh, the really? Pokemon yeah. the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was awesome. I'm guessing yeah. probably a lot of them maybe yeah, were yeah, like only Japan releases or something yeah. like that. You know, yeah. Pokemon I, I, the first movie. It was actually, yeah, was, like uh, now that I think about it, when I was like on Netflix <clears> one day, I was just typing in Pokemon, and there's like four or five, but it's just mostly. I think it's mostly shows, yeah. but I can't mm-hmm. remember. Yeah, and so the Game Boy Color, as we mentioned, was that was like the game I went and got exercise with. That came out <laughs> a couple years later in '98, and. Along that, with that, around the same time was the Game Boy Camera and Printer, which actually I did own. Did you ever use no, that? No, I, I, I used still the Game got Boy it, Camera, actually. but I never used the Game Boy Printer. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I thought at the time, at least it, you hooked it up like in that link port. Yeah. And you could take pictures with the little camera that like swiveled. That, that was like, I feel like Nintendo pioneered like the cell phone selfie sort of back then, right? Because yeah. that was before you had a, a camera phone. And yeah. so... Yeah, you'd have this little game. You like you pop the game cartridge. Well, you had the camera. You said it is. You'd pop the game cartridge in, but yeah. it had the little. Yeah. Like, it looked like those old Logitech webcams, the like Sphere ones, right? Yeah. And so you could take pictures, and then you could go into the camera thing and like add like little like stickers or whatever, right? Like you would on like Instagram yeah. or something, and text and then whatever. Anyways, and you hook up this printer and like feed a roll of stickers into it, yeah. or it was like sticker paper, and then hit print. And if you're lucky, it would print in some sort of barely coherent <laughs> image. That's funny. But yeah, it was pretty cool, actually. I think I've still got it, and I probably still have some paper for it, too. So I should dig that out and see if it still works. How good was it? when? Like, which was the Pokemon you guys were going to when you were, like, talking with Professor Oak? Like, movie or game? No, no, no. Like, when you, like, went into yeah. uh, the first of the Oh, game. which which Pokemon yeah, did, did I choose? Yeah, did you choose, like, Charmander, uh, uh, Squirtle, or Bulbasaur? Well, I just started playing Blue a while. Was it Blue? Which one, did, which one did you? Well, I, you, you sold me one, didn't you? Yeah. Like when I, I think work. It's, like yeah, you sold me one at work like yeah. two years ago, probably. Was I don't it, I, really. I don't remember that. Maybe I bought it off like eBay or something. No, 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 I, I remember you saying. Yeah, you I think you did. Kelsey, I think yeah. it, I think you didn't have yellow because I wanted yellow, but you didn't have it. I think, oh, I think maybe. I think you had yeah, blue. I sold you blue. Yeah. Yeah. Which blue? Well, we know. Yeah, because I wanted to play. From the beginning, because red and blue, I think, were the first, right? Yeah. Yeah. Red and blue, and then yellow was based off the TV show. And so I think. Yeah, anyways, I went with blue, and so I forget. I, yeah, it's terrible. I can't remember what the, if the choices you have were those three and well, blue. But. Yeah, it's always those three, I yeah, think. And okay. then. 
So yeah, I don't. I think I went with Charmander, but I honestly don't remember. Yeah, what'd you go with, Kels? Good answer. You went Charmander. Yeah. Charmander. Yeah. I do like Bulbasaur too, though. How, how so would you go I, with? I, I I went Squirtle, but and I think like strategically, Squirtle's the one to go with. Too. Strategically, you could be right. Yeah. Yeah, because then you go like right into like a rock gym, yeah. and then yeah. So I was always screwed. Like I would destroy Bulbasaur, and like be on my way. But then, like, I'd run into Squirtle or anything. And I actually don't know why. Yeah. I mean, now I know what I'm doing when I get home tonight is playing Pokemon Blue. Because I don't know why I didn't finish yeah. that. It's the most annoying thing is, like, I'll always be like, Simon, have you played Pokemon Blue? But no. And I'm like, ah. Oh, yeah, and that's wanna... why I finally yeah. got it. And then I remember, like, I got into it and I crushed a few hours out of it. And then, I don't know, you just get stupid busy and forget about these I things, always so. find, like, a simulator now on the computer, but it can never save. So it's a really frustrating. Yeah. I get all the way there. And... Mm-hmm. And so, actually, yeah, Pokemon Yellow came out in 98, I guess I have written in front of me here. And so, in Japan, and then a year and two later in North America and Europe. But, yeah, I think it was blue that I had. But maybe this is a good place to call part one. So, we, were, <laughs> we weren't sure going into this if we were going to have, if this is going to end up being really short or if it was going to run long. And so, we decided that this is probably best suited for a two-parter. So, hopefully, you guys enjoyed yeah, this year so far. At least a two-parter. Yeah. Maybe and so, even a three-parter. Yeah, we'll see how it goes <laughs> yeah. next week. But, yeah, next week, we'll hit you with a little bit more Nintendo here as we get into the the after year 2000 more modern history of nintendo so i don't know i think that was kind of fun so you're gonna bring us out here this week kills yeah so uh thank you to all of our wonderful listeners and new listeners uh please remember to hit that subscribe button and bop it hard yes and but no odd numbers only remember yes right that's right don't unsub no (laughs) please don't unsub um please seriously don't unsub unless you're already sub then even numbers only. that's right yeah. yeah um please make sure to like us on facebook follow us on instagram check us out on twitter and all the other social media spread goods. the word let yes. your friends yeah. know that is right actually if you want to be really awesome we'd be forever grateful find us on itunes apple podcasts however you if you have an if you're an ios user and if you could give us a rating and and if you're really generous a review that'll really help help us That'll boost through the sea of podcasts too. (laughs) That'll give us a huge boost when we are nice and happy. You got a joke for us this week? You know, I do. And because it's the spirit of Nintendo Mm -hmm. and the spirit of Mario, um, I got got one for you, and I hope you guys enjoy it. I thought it was funny. (laughs) So Mario is walking out of a castle, and Luigi asks... Did you save a princess peach? And Mario says, No, I was told she's in another castle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll give you another one. <laughs> I, I, was trying to figure out if, I was trying to figure out if I understood it or not. But Don't you, it's just because she's it? always in another castle. I, I was told she's in another castle. Toad. Oh, I thought it was just your really bad accent that I used. Said toad. All right. Okay.